You're listening to the Road to Wisdom podcast, weaving stories told by wonderful minds about all things motherhood, health, intimacy, politics, nature, and everything in between. Join us on an adventure discovering unique experiences that we can learn from to enhance the ways in which we live. We are your hosts, Chloe and Kishia. All right, so today we have Tani in again. Take two. Um, take two. We, um, I do apologise because I had hyped everyone up with our Tani interview and then when I went back over the recording, we um, we actually had a different mic set up. So it was it, the recording was terrible and it would have hurt people's ears and I'm still <laughs> hell-bent on trying to fix it. We might have to pay – um, someone externally. A professional. A professional, yeah. because <laughs> well, we're you're doing a professional, but a different w- type of professional. Mm, someone mm. who really knows their audio. Um, yeah, because it's, you know, we're doing all the editing ourselves at the moment and mm. my skill set isn't there yet, but it is full of incredible content. So um, I do hope that we can fix that and get it out there. And I'd love to just build on that in this mm. episode, but just in case we'll do like a little touch <laughs> through. Um, a bit of overlap. A little bit of overlap. But I guess today we really wanted to focus on your pregnancies, births and postpartum experiences. Mm. Um, we actually put a little shout out to an, um, on our socials. We had a couple of questions come in, but a big one was um, navigating your relationship postpartum too. So if we oh. can add that into the yeah. mix um yeah because I guess for all of us it's pretty stressful times you're you're getting used to a completely different flow and way of life so mm. it's always nice to know how everyone navigates mm. that <laughs> how, how do we do that yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure mm. but yeah so, so nice. um I guess let's let's begin with your pregnancy. Um, we'll start with Aya. I think mm-hmm. we can go briefly because you have spoken about Aya's pregnancy and birth quite a bit. So if you can give us a little overview of that and then we can go nice and deep into Leo's. <laughs> <laughs> a little nugget. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Aya, um, so my husband and I were not, married at that time we were living separately and I was living in Newcastle I had a yoga business down there and was very attached to the idea of not letting it go and he wanted to move to Byron and I was very uh anti-Byron because I was like oh so many yoga teachers and it's such a cliche to move to Byron Bay blah and I'd grown up in the tropics so I kind of I don't know I was like oh I don't want to go back to being sweaty and hot and um all of those things but in my heart there was this pull to the tropics um so it was kind of this funny little tension. And anyway, we were up here on a retreat that we'd facilitated and we'd just finished the retreat and we were making love. And on the retreat, I'd had this vision of a bird flying down and landing in my womb and it had a physical effect. It felt like something had hit me. Um, and I remember saying to him, like, I don't think I'm pregnant, but I just feel like I'm, I got pregnant, like, but I was lying in the sun, like, a, you know, there was no actual way to get pregnant. <laughs> Unless something really weird is going on. Um, you marry. Yeah, I'm married. That's the, anyway. that's the end of the story. And that's Goodbye. the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm not married. Um, we did have real actual sex. Um, but yeah, so th- that was sort of, and he was like, oh, it's funny you say that. I've been feeling this energy. And we'd both spoken about wanting kids together. But I would, I had planned to do a two-year 
so a one year of um, preconception cleansing and then a one year of build up, like restoring my body from all the breaking down of the tissues that cleansing entails. Um, and this particular retreat we were facilitating, it was like a fasting retreat. It was like, you know, quite intense. And, and so I was not sort of, I'd been holding a lot, doing a lot of body work on people, a lot of energy work. And um, yeah, so I remember thinking like, God, I don't really don't want to be pregnant right now. I don't feel like we're sort of in the place I didn't even live with you like it's all very complicated let's not get pregnant right now anyway we got pregnant <laughs> and I remember we were like lying there afterwards and I was like oh I think we might have got pregnant um and we both felt it and we both kind of talked about it and we both bypassed it and I left and I went back and I was driving back to Newcastle just feeling so it's about a nine hour drive and I just was like I feel so strange and like out of it and got to my friend's house and slept like a whole day and you know I kept kind of making excuses for why um, I think I even did a liver flush because I was like maybe my liver's not very clean anyway and then I went and taught another retreat and I was like teaching with a friend and my boobs were growing like every day and she was like you're obviously pregnant and I was like no I'm not <laughs> la 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 anyway um so about five weeks later I go back to Mason and in Byron and I'm like look I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant um, let's pee on a stick <laughs> as you do <laughs> and yeah so it was I actually peed on a stick in the burger shop in Byron which is <laughs> so unromantic <laughs> and we both once I, it was positive we were like had to walk out of there and we went to the beach and we you like, did you had to walk out once yeah. you saw a positive test for your first pregnancy <laughs> in a burger shop <laughs> <In> a burger. <laughs> <laughs> oh no my pressure. god I still remember it I was like what the fuck are we doing here like get out quick <laughs> so we left um, we weren't even like going to buy a burger because we were so healthy at that stage we wouldn't have eaten a burger but um <laughs> anyway it was just oh one of those gosh. there was a toilet basically is why I was there um yeah so all of that said that was just the most magical experience I felt like her and I had this I don't know if it's like a karmic thing or like but she was so present for me um through my entire pregnancy I felt her presence I knew she was a girl like she was coming to me in meditation all the time I knew her name so that's where her name came from I saw it while I was meditating, written across my vision, like a when you use a sparkler and you close your eyes and you can still see the light, like it was like that. Um, and we always saw her as like a bird or a sort of flying horse, um, sort of an air creature. So her middle name is Pegasus, which we laughed when we were filling out the form because we're like, we're going to get the Byron Bay pile. I <laughs> <laughs> get the, the birth certificate in place. <laughs> <laughs> and it took ages to get a birth certificate back and I'm like, oh, my God, we're in the, like, hippie parent pile. <laughs> Are we allowed to let them name their child Pegasus? Pegasus. <laughs> we need to have discussions. And they're like, we don't know how to pronounce that first name. It's like A-I-Y-A. And we're like, oh. Anyway, they gave it to us. Um, yeah, so, and I just felt really, so I was living, I had moved. The minute I knew I was pregnant, I just kind of dropped everything. I sort of left my business in the hands of a manager and moved up. I took a month off just to rest because I was like, I know I'm so depleted. Like, you know, I was strong and like young. I was 30, uh, 30, 30, I think when I got pregnant and really fit. I'd been practicing yoga and, you know, my whole life. And But I was also, I was aware that I'd been doing a lot of cleansing. So I was like, I just want to really spend some time eating lots of food and like lying down and resting and getting sunshine. And just, so I had the privilege of doing that. We lived on this amazing permaculture farm. It was like 200 acres. I'd hike to the top of the spring any day that I felt like I could do that. Um, I didn't really get, nor I didn't really get um, morning sickness, but I got nausea some mornings, which I felt like when I ate 
um, dry, crunchy toast and salt. Like it was amazing. So I pretty much lived on dry, crunchy sourdough in the morning. And yeah, just kind of had this great time. Um, and Mace had gone off to do a plant medicine 10 day thing and left me for two weeks basically um, to myself. So that was a really special time. And I think I just remember like going outside at night and crying. There was just stars and I was like, my baby's going to see the stars for the first time. And like having these really beautiful moments. So for me, it was a very connected and beautiful pregnancy. Um, yeah. And so we kind of just focused on getting our stuff together. Like we had to move house eventually to find a place we could birth. I wanted to free birth her, but I didn't feel I like I look back and I feel very much like that person needed to validate herself to everyone else. So I didn't, even though I had the most connection and trust and like faith in the whole process, <clears throat> I was like, I'm going to get a midwife because that's like the right thing to do. And I'm going to, you know, and I can, I can even look back at some of my posts and it's almost like virtue signaling. I'm like, look, the midwife dropped off a kit full of drugs and stuff. <laughs> like, look how good we are. Like, we're not just having a baby on our own at home. Like, we have a midwife. And I'm like, oh we, my God. We might choose a weird name, but <laughs> we're doing it right. We're doing it right. And, you know, and I think for me, like, and I, I've been sitting this so much since Leo was born. So that's like, 15 months ago, I'm like, oh my God, I like care so much about, you know, presenting the safe, right choices and like doing the proper thing. And even though like, I don't care about that stuff and it didn't, and at no point did I feel connected to the system we were in, but I could almost feel how I kept like gaslighting myself and like creating, I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. Like I remember sitting down with the midwife the very first time we ended up using the Byron midwife program and she's like, oh, you had an eating disorder when you were young. Like maybe you can't have a home birth. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like I was 20 and I'm 30 and I've spent like 10 years in therapy and doing all of this stuff and like working on myself and I'm so strong and I'm so like, I know who I am now. Like, why would you even bring that into the equation? And and I kind of said that to her and she was really good about, she made a note and was like, okay, cool. We won't like hold that against you. Um, but I remember thinking like, why are we even talking about this? Like, mm. you know, they do this full sort of psych thing of you and, and your history and everything. And, you know, and my dad's always like, it's the lowest common denominator. And I get that. Um, but yeah, for me, I just felt like the whole time I was bumping up against a system I didn't care about or agree with. And I... I like the idea of having <clears throat> like a government supported midwife program in theory, but in practice, it's just exactly the same as going to the hospital. I think they're managed by the same, if anything, actually maybe a little bit worse because they are so afraid of losing their system that they don't want any risk. They don't want any like variation outside of a really narrow range, um, which I didn't understand at the time. It's taken me a while to really understand that. But um, you can, you can see where like just a, just to give the midwives a little bit of a yeah sorry a little bit of rope midwives yeah, are amazing yeah, <laughs> the system is not amazing the system yeah. is not amazing and they're held yeah. and they're tied to it and their licenses are tied to that and I yeah. mean we've all seen in the media what happens for a midwife who steps out of that yeah they pretty to much advocate for lose their, their jobs and get treated yeah, like criminals the, exactly like it's and it's awful it is so awful so yeah. you can see where that fear is coming from it's a very real reality and for anyone practicing you know to support in its entirety their client or their um pregnant 
lady. God, yeah. <laughs> where are my words? Why am I stumbling on that? You, don't, you don't know the English word for it. You've been in Italy for a while. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Mama. <laughs> Madre. Um, yeah. So, you know, and so I can, I just wanted to put that out there because I know there's a lot of midwives. Yeah. I want to be clear that I, my midwives were great people like as in I didn't have a problem with them per se I just felt like the system I kept having to navigate and you know my midwife was especially amazing she was like I know you don't want to do this but I just have to offer it to you just say no I'm like okay no like that's how we would get through it but the fact that she even couldn't just be like and also like I think a lot of people forget that we play a role in fucking up that system Mm -hmm. because there are people out there who if the midwife wasn't didn't do something that they think was important and someone's something tragic happens. Lawyers up. Look who lawyers up. It's always us and it's always us who wants to be, you know, we're not we passing the responsibility and mm. all of the things back onto them. And like that's not cool. And unfortunately they're only doing that because they're covering their asses from people who actually go out there suing midwives and professionals because yeah. Tragedies do happen too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think God, we like could go deep onto that. <clears> hey, <throat> like, oof. well, having had a free birth now, and I, I know I'm jumping, but that what I can see is I allowed, you know, like I don't want to um, villainize midwifery and the system in the sense that, like, I want to critique it, but it's I don't want to make it the enemy, and I want to acknowledge my lack of sovereignty in that as well. Like, I. was very much like people pleasing and I didn't want to rock the boat with, you know, holding a strong boundary. Like especially when my midwife went away, she went to Italy. Um, (laughs) I had a different midwife and I found her really challenging to um, like navigate and she was very strong and very in disagreement with my choices and didn't like respect me like my other midwife did. And with her I ended up conceding to doing the glucose test because she was like, just do something. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll do that one because I thought it was like the least bad, Mm -hmm. you know. And so it's like that I can see my role in like not Mm. being able to stand up to her and say, no, I don't have to. Like I'm educated about this and I am informed. And I was like so it's more my work and my kind of, um, yeah, like my acknowledgement of where I was at as, as a person at that stage. Um, but I like I do also think it's tricky. Like I, I watch, you know, I even was listening to one of your podcasts the other day and I just got so angry that it was the one that, where you were the birth photographer twice. And yeah, yeah. And, and like not, you know, it wasn't sort of at anyone. It was just I'm just angry that women have to go through that. Like it just pisses me off. And I, you know, it's such a special sacred thing and we have so much fear and there's so much like projected on you and it's just not really fair you yeah. know and I know that's and it doesn't just come from the systems no. it comes from like the entire community from your parents from your friends from the person who has that one story where you know the baby died and so now you have to write off all of a b and c but mm. you know and then you hear about the stories of babies dying in hospital but that you know they did their best so it's okay yeah it's a pretty it's, weird double standard it's <laughs> really it's there's yeah. a double standard there but it it's so indoctrinated into society to this one thing and then promote the other as being safe and responsible and anyway i could go on well and it's kind of like <laughs> what chloe just said though like 
you know, we all get off on the war stories too, though. Like Mm -hmm. I remember growing up and this has been a big thing I've been unpicking in the last sort of 12 months as well. Growing up, listening to my mum, sitting around with tea and coffee, talking about birth. And it was always like, I'm a heroic bitch who like birthed and it was hard and I did it. Or like, I'm a victim of something or, you know, like it was very much this Mm. energy of war and battle and like, you know, defeating it. And I'm like, ah, like that's a very internalised thing that I carry and I hold. And I don't know if that's like most productive thing to bring to birth. And, you know, and again, this is just my story in my kind of Mm. I guess I'm constantly like examining I see birth as like this fundamental like opportunity to transform it's like one of those big initiations that we can really use to like evolve our consciousness if we use it that way and so I I use my births all the time (laughs) I'm like what what did I learn from that and what am I picking out of that and especially I've spent the last year with Jane Hardwick Collins who I think you guys have had or are having on yeah we've we've got to get back in touch with her she yeah, was busy, she's a very busy but, human <laughs> yeah but she was yeah. keen so we're, we're still the she's amazing yeah but one of her big teachings is we use our births our births as in us being born into the world and then the births we have to help like look at ourselves from this bird's eye view as the map of our lives and um and our evolution and, and like what lessons we need to learn and where we're avoiding responsibility and where we can you know and like I've just learned so much from, you know, I kind of started doing it after I on my own and then I've learned so much from being around Jane and and kind of going deeper into that process. So, yeah, so by all accounts, like we only had one scan with Ayer at 20 weeks. My husband and I agreed to that. Um, again, when I was doing it, it felt completely wrong, but it was cool as well because I'm a bit of a nerd and I was like, wow, like all the anatomy and all that stuff. So, you know, it's a payoff, I suppose. Um, baby was perfect the whole way through. There was never any... Um, concerns and I feel like I remember my midwife said to me that was just a textbook birth you know and I remember thinking like I don't want a textbook birth like I want like my beautiful like you know it was psychedelic for me and it was incredibly intimate with my husband and it was I remember feeling like I was every woman who'd ever birthed and every human that had ever been through a woman which is everyone you know and I just had this like incredible time but I just that energy of like you know the monitoring and the being watched and the yeah the, I don't know the, and I have unpacked this birth a lot um we have a podcast episode about it but you know I, I I knew when I went into labor I just remember sitting there with my husband I'm like oh, I'm in labor you know like it was just different and he's like how do you know and I'm like I just know and I remember like I'm like okay now you need to call the midwives and he was like how do you know and I'm like I do and I came and they were like no no you're not ready and I was like I am and they were like no and they left and then I'm like no you need to call them again my husband called them again they came back you know it's just stuff like that where I'm like I knew (laughs) and then you know they're like oh you are having the baby I'm like yeah and they're like you won't have it till tonight and I'm like no I'm gonna have it soon and it's just this process of like constantly having to be like no I know what's happening <laughs> I'm I'm doing it I'm having the baby mm. um you know and I was a first-time mom and whatever so I guess there's a lot of stuff that goes on there even I said I don't want any exams my midwife was like we want to examine your cervix I was like oh she was like look just you know it helped you know I was like okay yep you know and again people pleasing like I should have just said no so get out of the tub and they examined me I think she did a sweep while she's there the most pain I've ever felt in my life after she touched me straight back in the tub no one's touching me leave me alone I'm staying here you know so it's good because those things helped me to set my boundaries but like the fact that they had to happen you know sometimes I'm like Ugh. and then the worst thing was I emerged she was perfect my husband caught her we pulled her up she was breathing but quiet she was just looking straight into her eyes he was behind me 
I was holding her and like looking at her and she was just staring into my eyes and the um, student midwife who'd we'd agreed to have there leant over and like blew into her face. Mm. And, you know, for me, <sighs> that's such a violation of her right to transition and her the intimacy we were having as a family. And, and also and I, your breath oh. is the most important thing on that baby's face. But also like else. she doesn't need to cry. She's fine. Like she's obviously fine. Mm-hmm. She's just <laughs> obviously fine. <laughs> like, that's such a primal move. Yeah. And, and I just, you know, yeah. I, I get it because she – I get it. Like I get it on that level. And then I'm also like, no, that's not okay. And for us, that was actually the biggest decision, like the biggest reason we pre-birthed. It had nothing to do with all the other stuff. We were like that intimacy and that like, mm. you know, that yeah. moment of like her being, transitioning into being here, you know, like, whoa, what a sacred space for her. So, yeah, we were like, you know what, that was a big red flag for us that we just don't want to do that again. Anyway. She breastfed straight away. I had my placenta straight away. Like everything was literally like bang, bang, bang. I was at the beach at 6 p.m. watching the sunset. She was born at 2. Then we went to bed. She slept all night. I slept next to her being like, wow, I have a baby, you know, and and that was it. We were just like, oh, and my midwife never came back because I was like, this is, I don't, this is so instinctual to me. Like I don't really feel like I need the only thing that I was confused about was I put clothes on her in summer and she went all red. I was like, I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> Obviously babies are in clothes and the midwife's like, take the clothes off. I was like, take the, I called her. She's like, take the clothes off. So that was the only thing I didn't really clock. I was like, and then she was just nude for like the rest of her life. Basically. <laughs> <To this laughs> Trying day. to get children to wear clothes in this area. <laughs> like it's winter. You need to wear a jumper. Um, but yeah, I just felt like she was my initiation into trusting birth. And then like, I had my son and everything was different. I had no spiritual connection to him at all. I was like, hello, are you even in there? Like, is there a baby in there? Like I was growing, but like, yeah, I just had no feelings, no, none of that sort of deep like awe and connection that I had with her. It was felt very, I was really angry during my first trimester. Like with her, I just felt like so blissed out and everything was amazing. And with him, I was like, I hate you to my husband. Like I hate everything like I hated having to cook dinner at night I was like I hate all of it I was like wow like who am I I felt like just can can I just quickly ask so you had I uh what's your um gap five and a half years five and a half years yeah and then um oh actually I was gonna ask like what you did to rebuild because I know you did oh yeah Um, but maybe we can just go through that briefly at the end I don't want to yeah, no, that's, I mean, stories. we can go back. So I think that's good to talk about because I, well, we wanted to talk about postpartum. So I can talk about that. Um, I, uh, for me, was, I don't know, again, I just felt really like it was very easeful. I had her, she like latched, I don't know, that was kind of, I didn't have a shower until the next day. I don't think she, we just kind of, oh, I might have had like a rinse actually to wash the blood off and stuff. But then, yeah, like I just remember we just didn't wash her. We were just so connected with her. We slept with her, my husband and I were just, he was just obsessed with her. Like we were both just obsessed with her. It was sort of summer, like she was born December 4. So we had this whole, like we ended up being able to take time off work and we just had this whole time. But we did lots of like people who don't, know what it's like to have tiny baby things like went to a Christmas party and like (laughs) being like why are we at a Christmas party or a little baby but you know it's kind of easy when they're that little too um I didn't really do the 40 days as I thought I would like I was really planning to do the 40 days with her but summer is such a tricky time for me to stay indoors I was getting a lot of FOMO and like 
feeling more anxious about staying indoors. Mm, I can totally resonate with that. All yeah. my babies are born in summer and every single time I plan on doing like confinement and I was just not okay with it. <laughs> by, I think by like 10 to 14 days I was feeling so depressed. I was like this is just – I'm forcing it now. I don't. I actually don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I need to get out. Like, if, need and to the talk. energy of the season is yang, right? Like, yeah. so you do actually have a lot more energy available to you. And uh, look, I don't. I always rest a lot. So my my sort of strategy was we would go out in the early hours of the morning or the night, like so dusk and dawn, go for a walk on the beach, like do something like that, and then we would go back and sort of rest through the hot part of the day, um, and then I would. Yeah, we usually go out again in the Arvo. So we sort of didn't do like heaps of social stuff in the middle of the day. But I did, yeah, I just felt like for me and being, we lived right on the beach. So I was like, I don't know, it's 40 degrees outside. <laughs> like sitting inside just feels, you know, crazy. Like at dawn when it's beautiful and there's like, you know, just such mm. a magical time to be out. So yeah, so we kind of, um, I did definitely like I cut out a lot of cold things, although I do remember having like a beer after she was born. <laughs> so I was like, I hadn't had alcohol <laughs> all the time I really wanted a beer. And I had like a smoothie with my placenta and a few things that were sort of probably not very like TCM-y. Um, but I encapsulated the placenta and ate that. We did eat some raw as well, like in a smoothie, not raw. That's a bit hectic. <laughs> Never quite got there. Um, but yeah, I felt like I just really focused on, you know, like for me, having my background in yoga I started out like thinking you kind of needed to kill yourself to be healthy and then I worked out like no it's actually a lot to do with your nervous system and rest and like um you know learning how to regulate your body and like what so I just kind of kept checking in with myself I would have acupuncture um at that time we were actually really broke so I couldn't afford a lot of like body work or care um I had I think I had like one massage and a couple of acupuncture sessions but that was a really big deal for us to afford because we were growing our business and we were everything was in the business like we I think we were making like four hundred dollars each a week which was basically food because we eat organic food so it was like how did you afford food on that (laughs) well there's only two of us (laughs) the baby just ate boob (laughs) but like our rent I'd paid in advance so we didn't have rent which was good but yeah like we were like living on nothing at the time um so we just you know we kind of just like mace would help like massage me I would do yoga do breath work I'd rest a lot I'd eat as well as I could and um and then yeah I started really like focusing on you know things like liver and meats and things that I probably I'd been vegetarian for 14 years so I sort of like hadn't really explored that world so um yeah kind of more that nourishing traditions vibe um I started eating dairy again like I started just really bringing in I just kept looking back at all the old school stuff of like if a kid's sick you know you take them to the farm and you give them cream and you know, eggs and like, it's like, you don't rebuild like health with like salad and juice. And (laughs) yeah, it's just not really what you do. So Mm. I was really conscious of that. And my background, I'm obviously white and tall. So sort of Scandi and I'm like, yeah, we probably would have been eating dairy and a lot of these things. So I started to just be a bit more practical about like, yeah, I think having lots of juices and lots of things that primarily were a big part of my diet before a lot of vegetarian meals, Ayurvedic meals, they weren't really serving my body that I could feel so yeah um which was a big change for me like I remember eating a rabbit and being like whoa <laughs> <I'm> eating a <laughs> rabbit <laughs> but it was like cooked in this stew and it was really delicious and like a friend made it for us I was like wow so yeah just a lot of that sort of thing and I, I really spent a few years um as the time went on and we like we've obviously our herbs as well played a big part in that I took a lot of deer antler which pri- prior to that I hadn't really taken before and that's really like rebuilding and they use it a lot 
actually for um, children that have like uh, sort of genetic issues and stuff to help rebuild their jing. Um, it's used for pregnant women in China as well. So I really focused on what we would call jing in Chinese medicine, so rebuilding that essence um, and then my blood as well because I tend to be blood deficient and um, especially after birth because you do lose blood and you, especially when you make a girl baby. So a girl baby requires more of your blood because they literally have a uterus and all of these things that you're building which you don't build when you build a boy baby. So wow. um, that's common a lot of I don't know if you guys have noticed that with your girls but a lot of women can be more iron depleted or blood depleted post birthing girl babies than boy babies um but you know girls and boys are like the same mm. these days so <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke <laughs> um I'm so glad you joked about it um that's interesting though because my three first babies were girls and mm. like I naturally just like bled a lot mm. and felt much more depleted Mm. after them but then with my fourth being a boy it was like no real loss mm. and I feel like I was much like much quicker to kind of come back like I had more in the tank and mm. more energy and more you know yeah I could kind of do more mm. I have noticed that too so having had a boy and a girl like my daughter it was also like the energetic imprint of her like I would meditate after I had her and we had this like golden cord attached to us and this was like quite late on that it was still happening probably like around just trying to think because we moved around eight or nine months I think you know around there I was still feeling this really strong like energetic connection to her like she literally lived outside of my body but was energetically in my field and I remember practicing next to her and I'd sort of like she'd be taking in what I was practicing and I was like wow this is really strange um, and I remember going to see my teacher when she was like one and a half or two, no, she was 18 months. Yeah. And like still having this really open, like womb space to her and, and, um, yeah. And I, I don't know, like I, I still don't fully know what's going on there in terms of, but I didn't have that same thing with my son mm. and it could be also all that other stuff that I had with her, but I found it really hard to find my like to re-establish my boundary my sense of myself with her like there was a lot more openness and I think that makes sense too when you think of like in Chinese medicine the spleen is the the mother and also the like the creator of boundaries and I think when we have children naturally we obviously like we want to keep them in our field and that is always the case but um but yeah I think if you're creating a, a girl child there might be more of that sort of energetic sharing between the mother and child and that makes sense when you think of the red thread and all this other stuff um but that's just a hypothesis i don't know if that's true um but yeah <laughs> you might go go that was an awesome little summation and actually so many gems in there which were beautiful but let's go into to leo. Leo. yeah yeah well so um we, we chose to have a big gap which i chose because i was so busy with work and i felt like i really wanted to give myself a year to do the rebuilding and when i could sort of afford to give it the time and energy it deserved and i felt like the first couple of years after i was born we were just we were trying to buy a house so we were really focused on um just getting you know as much business momentum going as we could so that we could make that purchase before because we'd sort of watched the prices here like doubling <laughs> over the couple of years we'd lived here and we were like okay we really want to get in before it gets out of control so we managed to pull that off um which we're really grateful for and yeah and then once we sort of had the house I think my nervous system and my sort of mind were able to be like okay now we can focus on something else so 
I started seeing an acupuncturist every fortnight and I worked with him for about two years and I just that was such a profound experience for me because he ended up starting to mentor me as well I was thinking about studying acupuncture at the time and um yeah and I I remember just getting so much value out of working with him and I felt like the best I'd felt I was you know he was really strict on me eating you know a lot of meat and a lot of things that were again not normal for me but I yeah really made a big effort um took a lot of herbs like just and then was having body work and then yoga and practicing and stuff so just really feeling like I was trying to nourish myself minerals all of those kinds of things um and then we kind of I remember we were like let's have another baby we're like okay I think we made love like two days later my husband got a call that his dad was dying he got on a plane and I was like oh my god I think I'm pregnant and this was all in the middle of COVID so it was all happening um and yeah so he got to Sydney I got to Pilates <laughs> I was like I don't have a core or like you know I just felt so strange in my belly mm. so I was like I think I'm pregnant I went and got a stick and peed on it <clears throat> and yeah I, I was and Mace was done in Sydney so I was like oh hey <laughs> um, I don't know when you're coming back so I'm just gonna tell you on the phone and he was so excited and we were so excited but yeah we kind of had to deal with Mace's dad passing away and he ended up dying so it was like a few weeks Mace was down there and um so that was really big and by the time I was 10 weeks it was his funeral and I was on a plane we were heading down in the middle of COVID so we weren't even technically supposed to travel but we got an exemption because of the um, funeral and stuff and yeah we kind of ended up down there and I think yeah I kind of I'm like not sure if it was like pole passing and all of that sort of stuff that went with it and Mace being away but I just that was a really I just don't remember feeling like amazing and having yeah gone through Aya's pregnancy where I felt so good and I'm like I went into that really depleted but I felt so amazing whereas I went into Leo's really resourced but I actually had the opposite experience I was like super but I also think you know because we decided to free birth I think I needed to process a lot of emotion and and yeah like I had I was rageful like it was the first time since I was a teenager <laughs> the only other time it's come up was when I got my period um like the very first kind of couple of times I would get this intense like rage like I just hated everything and everyone and would like scream at my parents and I was like that with Mace and I remember him being like I've been with you for like a while now like eight years or seven years and you've never been like this and I don't know what's happening <laughs> and he was so good about it he was just really patient with me and um you know he'd walk away and I'd be like oh, okay like I'm pushing a boundary here you know but I just I it was all directed at him and I really hated him and I'm and I literally remember looking at my aura ring and I was wearing it at the time and I, I would get so hot, like my temperature was really high. And I'm like, oh, it's this whole thing. And again, in Chinese medicine, you're like kind of baking a loaf of bread when you make a baby. Like you want heat and steam and like those are the conditions like an oven for creating a healthy baby. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's a good thing. And and maybe it was because it was a boy and there was like different hormones in my body. Like who knows? Um, but yeah, so at literally week 14, it stopped. Thank God. And I remember being like, oh, I'm okay now. <laughs> Sorry. Mace was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> what did we just go through? <laughs> and we kind of had to unpack that over a few weeks. <laughs> just be like, Is that, do you really hate me? I'm like, no, I do not hate you. It's just the hormones. <laughs> um, and you hate, like, no one is allowed to say that except for the person know, experiencing it. it. Like, if anyone Because well, I don't like, even really believe that. But I'm like, <laughs> it was my experience. I'm not sure how else to explain it. And look, I think it could have been so many things. Um, yeah, like 
COVID was making me mad and like there was so many things going on in the world that like rage was probably a pretty appropriate response like to be fair um but yeah it was really interesting and then yeah the pregnancy was just like pretty tricky not the pregnancy the pregnancy was kind of fine but like all of the stuff around it like I was trying to get out of super feast our business I'd been working there like running the company and so it was this massive process to like leave because you know my hands were in every pie um I just we were just building this like really expensive new website that it was a massive project that had taken over a year which you know there was just so many things going on that I had a deadline on now because I was pregnant I did not want to be going back in there with a baby on my boob like I'd done with Aya um yeah so we were kind of really I was yeah I felt quite stressed and quite like busy and I didn't feel like I had a lot of space to be in connection with the baby which may be another reason I didn't have as much of a sense of him but I just he was a mystery to me the whole time and I do remember feeling like it might have been a boy um just because it was such a different experience I was like sort of the only logical explanation I had dreams of twins like at least two maybe three times and they were amazing dreams where I would just literally birth them like seamlessly and quickly into my hands and then I'd be standing there holding these two babies and they I was like whoa like that's not ideal (laughs) and we weren't having scans so we chose to free birth and and that wasn't even a conversation really I feel like we just both were like well that's what we're doing if we ever have another kid you know obviously um and Mace was a little bit more um I think feeling the responsibility of like if something were to happen like he would be the one that would sort of be dealing with maybe paramedics or a hospital um so he wanted to be sure that he could advocate in a way that he felt was aligned with what we were kind of wanting and you know I felt really prepared and educated myself but I was like oh yeah he probably like he doesn't read as much as I do and he probably doesn't follow as many you know insta accounts as I do and um whatever so we chose to do a course which was um radical birth school or something like that um I'm not actually sure it just literally kind of popped up and it was like in two weeks and so it was I bought it um and it was like a five-week course that sort of went through you know um planning to have a baby I guess like being pregnant the birth and then postpartum and then maybe like a question and answer week or something so we kind of the first two to be really honest we didn't get much value out of and there was it was sort of about you know making sure you have raspberry leaf tea and all this kind of stuff. And we didn't feel very um, much I feel like, like you guys that. are quite well read <laughs> in yeah. that like, area. Yeah, we got that bit. <laughs> you could probably teach that part. Yeah, but like the birth part was helpful. She's a nurse and, and I think for Mace, like what I really took from, like again for me I was like I, I do know a lot of this stuff but for him and doing it with him it was really great to see where he would get hooked on something or be like, oh, is that a thing that could happen or – you know, it's like, okay, there's like a little bit of fear there or something that he might need to unpack or um, – and so in watching all of that, we talked about everything that she sort of presented as like complications or things that you might want to be aware of and he and I both agreed the only thing we felt would be um, like something we would consider transferring for would be a prolapsed cord and there were some great images of what that looked like and how, um, you know, the sort of Mace would know if I wasn't – and, and me passing out was the other concern because I'm quite big. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I'm six foot one and like if – and I think pregnant, I, I don't know how much I weighed but I would have weighed a fair bit. So I'm like just making sure he felt comfortable that he could like manoeuvre me, maybe wet in a tub or like whatever. Um, so those were the sort of things we really focused on discussing and having a plan for. Um, and yeah, and then we kind of were like, okay, well, we know those things. Um, let's just – 
yeah, let's just go. And and so I he later told me he did go to his therapist one time and talk about fear <laughs> and not wanting to put it on me. So he was like, oh, I need to talk to you about it. Good and boy. Yeah, which I didn't <laughs> well even done. know. Yeah. And it honestly wouldn't have picked up like from him. He was so confident the whole time. Um, but he said to me, like, I trusted your body so much. It was more like my fear around like if I could, you know, like hold it if something happened. Yeah, I think, can we sit yeah. on that just for a second? Because it is really important anyone who's um, pregnant listening to this and um, feeling this is the route they want to take, it's really important for the people around you to know that their fears will influence you. Anyone in your circle, if their feels, fears will influence especially you. Especially in birth. <laughs> yeah, especially in birth. But even in pregnancy, like mm. all of those fears, like it, it is a lot of work as a woman who is pregnant to not take on other people's concerns because you're already in that really open and vulnerable state. Mm. So for like I just want to like Mace, well done. <laughs> no, well, he's pretty good. Like he yeah, gets it. Yeah. But it's a good lesson for everyone to take away just to like make sure and you don't have to come at it like a – I'm holding this boundary and no one can talk to me about any of this stuff, but just make people really aware that if you're sharing with them what your, like what your plans are, um, that they're, they're aware that any of their concerns are actually not your concerns. Mm -hmm. And you as the mother have probably looked into all of this in a very deep way, either during your pregnancy before, and you've come to the conclusion that you're taking the safest route for you and your family. Um, and so anyone in your circle or realm can take those fears to someone else yeah. and, and, process that yourself um well that's the yeah. thing i think using the mum as a punching bag or to offload your like mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i it's not appropriate it's not okay and i it's extremely frustrating to witness like friends going through that and i'm sort of like i just want to call this person and be like shut up <laughs> but you know i also think like as the birthing mother you know that's the piece that i really had to sit in i like we decided to free birth not a single i didn't have a single negative comment because of my energy and my just like responsibility in that. And I, I can see a really distinct difference between the home birth where I was making, almost making an apology for that choice and trying to validate mm -hmm. and, and sort of, um, you know, like PR for home birth. Yeah, it's like, it's really safe. Actually, the statistics are great. And like, oh my God, yeah, it's like so much, you know, da, 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 da. it's really good for the baby. And it's like, it's not, it doesn't freaking matter. Like, I'm going to do this. And that, that was my experience. Like I, you know, we probably told a handful of people who like we told everyone, in, uh, my parents, I said, we're doing what we did last time. So that was just a little <laughs> tweak. Um, I do remember my dad being like, so will there be a midwife there? And I was like, mm, probably just Mason. And he was like, okay, you know, but I, you know, we never used the word free birth or anything with them. Um, but pretty much everyone else who was out in our direct sphere knew exactly what we were planning. Um, you know, my neighbours were going to have my kids. Like they, my street was so stoked. Like they were like, that was the best that we have a baby on the street and you just did it and you and Mason. And like literally all the neighbours still, every time I walk Leah out, they're like, oh my God, there's that baby. It's <laughs> like, okay, the street celebrity. <laughs> but yeah, like that we were so upfront. And just I felt like we just were so like calm about it. We were like, yeah, that's what we're doing. And they were like, oh. But I do think a second kid too, like people knew I'd had a home birth the first time. So there's lots of factors and 
It's a fun. Rum, rum. Sorry, guys. There's a uh, <laughs> motorbike parading out the studio. It's a very <laughs> loud one. Yeah, I, I, I really, yeah, it's really tricky. But I think, yeah, it's nobody else's. Like, to be able to be Teflon when people put their stuff on you is such a skill and an art. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's something I would really recommend. Like, looking at how you can cultivate some of that. Um, energy and then with when it's people that you trust and they are close to you like partners I think that's when it gets trickier and I'm not sure I, Mason and I had quite a few chats about um so the woman who taught the course that we did she was like if your husband doesn't agree you just lock him out and you do what you have to do and we were like oh that doesn't feel great like yeah. I get like I get in a sense what she's saying that like you know yeah it's like it is at the end of the day the decision of the person giving birth but it's like I don't know. There's a co-creative element to it to me that I'm just like, if Mace had been really against it, you know, we would have gone to therapy. I think we would have had to just like really unpack that. And and I probably would have won in the end. But yeah. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it would be like to navigate that. And and yeah, if you're doing that, like I have a lot of um, compassion and empathy for that process because it yeah. must be really challenging. Um, I, I would probably put a suggestion of education. Mm. So, and come at it really curious, like from a curious, curious point of view because mm. we had that um I mean I was throwing that out left right and center with all the pregnancies <laughs> that I don't like hospital and we ended up having Willow in a hospital but um mainly because I didn't know anyone who had done anything <laughs> differently but uh, you know I would say over and over god I just hope I get in the bath and this baby pops out like you know babies pop out in the car babies pop mm. out blah 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 but um yeah, when it came to Humphrey, who was an unassisted birth at home, um, you know, Togga was not okay with it. He, you know, he was really like, no, that, you know, they did things at the hospital, which, mm. you know, I don't know if I can do those things. I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't know. And then we saw, like, we went, we did, actually did a hypnobirthing course and in it was four different videos of women who were relaxed, mainly in water. Mm. One was on her, like all fours on the bed. And these babies popped out without anyone assisting, without Mm. anyone touching them, without like, I think none of them screamed, which I don't think is super realistic, but (laughs) it was very, like, it was very peaceful. And the like babies come out. Um, And once he saw that, like, as soon as he saw that, actually, he was like, if it happened at home, I'd be fine. Mm. So, yeah, just a little tip for anyone. Well, yeah, I guess that's the same reason we did the course because it helped Mace with his fears. Mm. And I think, yeah, you're right with that masculine um, sense of like if they have the knowledge and the, you know, I can feel that energy of like if they feel empowered and, and mm. sort of strong. And I think they just want to feel pragmatic and if yeah. they don't know, they can't really. <laughs> yeah. And at the core of it usually is like they just love you and, mm. and the baby and want you guys to be safe. Like yeah. it's not like they're trying to be a jerk and like you know stop you from having your sovereign birth or whatever like that's the thing I've always seen in the men I've spoken to you know they've always been like I'm open sort of I just don't think it's like I don't know like my whole life I've been told you have babies in hospital you know now my partner's telling me that's not the case you know so and that's I've seen some friends like really change like that's something I'm really proud of I guess in just in living in my experience like I had friends come and stay like two days after Leo was born and the guy was like, why is your belly so big? He has had the baby. And I'm like, oh, it stays big after pregnancy for like after birth for a little bit, like, you know, it goes down pretty quickly. But 
He was like, I didn't know that. And I was like, no. And he's like, and you just had the baby then. And I'm like, yep. And he was like, and the birth pool was still set up and everything. And they were like, oh, you know, and it was just this sort of thing that to sort of drop in mm. from someone who'd only really known birth in the movies. Birth in, yeah. And like his, you know, kind of friends peripherally, like having kind of extreme hospital births and stuff. It's like, yeah. And just for me to be walking around and be really normal. And I think it was like, oh, I remember just watching his face. He was like, mm. <laughs> you know, and I think that's sort of, that's where we've lost that sort of community aspect of, you know, the street, someone having a baby next door and, you know, you hear the woman birthing and the kids see the mum coming out the next day holding a baby. And like that to me is just so educational because mm. you're normalising what is a very normal process, you know. So, um, yeah, and that's having like my neighbours brought their little eight-year-old son to Leo's birth like in the early stages and, you know, just stuff like that where I'm like now even though he was like, <laughs> but I'm like that's good like yeah. he you know he's had that little imprint of like yeah that you just have yeah. a baby it's not that big of a deal you know and so how was the birth oh it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah it was intense um so yeah so we kind of I think both my kids I had a heap of Brankston Hicks so Leo's birth had a few false starts where I was like maybe he's coming and we had the floods so I was 36 or 37 I actually never I kind of I knew when we conceived, but I never tracked. So everything's about. So it was about 36, 37 weeks um, when I when the floods happened, and I, that was the first time I remember feeling really like unsafe. Not so much about birthing, but that Mace was going out helping people, and he'd be gone all day, and we didn't have a phone, and we had no power and stuff, and we didn't have power for like a week. And I remember thinking like, oh, I just don't want him to not be here, and I don't like I don't think I was ready to do that, face it on my own, if I was to go into into birth yeah I think now I would but yeah anyway and I remember being a little bit anxious that he was away a lot and I kind of went and tried to volunteer a couple of times and I just felt very overwhelmed very quickly with like what was happening and just and that was hard for me because again I'm someone who would normally be out there helping and I just felt very like weak and not capable so I kind of went through a little bit of a like funk for a couple of weeks around the floods and then thought well you know what all I can do is really focus on you know myself and this baby and like that's what I'm here to do and this is my time like it's not really my time to go out and serve so I really just yeah like turned my awareness in and spent the last few weeks kind of in that and it was actually really lovely um I felt very connected to like again no sense of like who the baby was but just like to my body and yeah and did a lot of resting and a lot of um just like banking sleep <laughs> to try and prepare for having a little baby around um and then I thought I went into labor one night and then nothing happened and then I was like remember last time you just knew and that you know I was in my head a little bit I think I was like oh that's a contraction and I was like no that's not what it felt like last time there was a feeling that you were in labor you know and so the day I was supposed to sorry there was a whole bunch of stuff happened with Superface too. Like someone quit the day Leo was due, like due in inverted commas, but like when we thought he might come. Um, and then Mace had to go into work for this really hectic kind of meeting and like, yeah, deal with a lot of issues that were going on in the business. And we also had a cleaner coming at 8am and I woke up at like three that morning and I was like, I'm having the baby. And I was like, this is not a great time. <laughs> this is not happening right now. I feel like I just fully shut it down. I was like, no. Nah. So I went and got in the bath with my daughter about 5am and we had a bath for like an hour maybe. And then my husband came and he's like, oh, the cleaner's going to come. And I was like, cool, I'm just going to stay in my room. Don't let them come in here. But like, I'm not having the baby until the house is spotless. And 
you're back from that meeting and he's like I'll be back as soon as I can I was like okay so I went to bed and I like lay in there and I was like hiding from the cleaners I didn't really want to chat and then Mace came home I think I must have fallen asleep because he got home around midday and I was napping and I got up about four and I remember walking to the kitchen and I was like this big pregnant lady and I just got this massive bowl of orange juice which I don't normally drink but I've been loving orange juice lately smashed this like a whole liter of it and I was like right <laughs> let's go set up the bathroom <laughs> having a baby and he was like oh, okay so we went and we set up the altar and everything and lit all the candles and started filling up the pool and um and I just remember going into that like you know when you're just off your rocks he was like Whoa, and nothing made any sense and I don't know Mace organized for Aya to go have dinner with the neighbors and stuff but I was very like out of it um and then for some reason I picked up spiritual midwifery because it was like sitting on our bookcase like kind of that way looking at me and it said you should eat something and I was like oh yeah that's a really good idea so I went and made a piece of toast I like tried to eat it it was really hard to eat I was like but anyway I was like I'm gonna eat something labor could be all night you know and I was like anyway so this is maybe 5 36 or something and then I remember laying down with Mace and my yeah so my neighbor had my my daughter and um we were just like making out and kind of hanging out but with Aya I'd felt very like sexual in that time like really like aroused and turned on and like this time I was like not like not um not not like into Mace or anything but just like so out of it like I just felt like I was on another planet like and I couldn't even imagine like how any of that would work you know um so we did we just kind of smooched for a bit I think and I must have just been sort of drifting around and then um, I remember wanting to get in the warm water to have like a bath and my so my neighbor's also my best friend which is great <laughs> so she came over with my daughter and she gave me like a back massage and just kind of sat with me for like an hour and her son and my daughter were playing and it was really nice it just felt really like normal and kind of communal and, and really sweet and then um, yeah they, they were like okay we're gonna go to bed and you know I'd sort of suggested if I might want her there but I hadn't felt that I did um, so she was going to come in the morning if I was still in labour and I, Mace went and put Aya to bed and he's like, I might go and have like a couple hours of sleep because you're just hanging out. And I was, I was just kind of like drifting around listening. I'd made this like really spiritual birth playlist and I hated it. I just put on like some 70s bangers and was like <laughs> dancing around and singing. And like, I can all that woo-woo stuff. Um, so he like was laughing and he's like, I'll just leave you to it for a bit. I was like, yeah. And I was like, I got my journal. I was like, bring me my journal. It's like journaling. Which I haven't actually read, but I'm sure it's pretty funny. Um, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to time my contractions, which I honestly, I couldn't work out my phones, you know, when you're really out of it. And I was like, oh, you know, like trying to make the buttons work. And then I was trying to time it and I couldn't understand. I was like, I don't think this is making any sense, which is a good thing I was so out of it because Leo was posterior. And I actually don't think the contractions were making any sense, but I thought it was me. So like not being able to hit the buttons and make the time work and stuff. So anyway, so that was probably the bit that I remember being, I was so confused. I'm like, am I having this baby? Like, am I, you know, but I was like, well, I'm so out of it. I must be. And then I kind of, those four hours, I don't even remember what else happened. But um, I remember thinking at one point, I really want Mason and I can't reach my phone, which was like, there, like it was like, I don't know, 30 centimetres away from me. It's like, I can't reach my phone. I don't know how to get him. And he just walked in and I was like, oh, thank God. And he's like, I just woke up and thought you might need me. And I was like, yeah, <clears throat> I do. And I was like, I think I'm going to have the baby. He's like, okay. And then we basically, I reckon from about midnight, well, that's what he said. Um, it was sort of active labour and I was starting to feel like really 
strong surges and really kind of out of it. But the thing that was really confusing to me was I couldn't, it didn't feel like with Aya, it felt like this sense of the baby moving through my body in a really like natural sort of easy way. Whereas this felt like something banging against my pelvis sometimes and then nothing for ages. And, and I remember going to the toilet and trying to wee and I'd release my bladder and then something would hit my pelvis and make this sound. And I was like, mm, that doesn't sound very good, but I didn't know what it was. And I kind of didn't even occur to me that he would be back to front, but I think it was his head because um, he came out with a big dent in his forehead. So, yeah, I think he must have been trying to get through. So, anyway, that whole active labour was a wild ride. Like we were in the toilet, in the shower, in the bath, up and down. Like I was lunging. I had one leg over the bath at one point. Like It's like a big birth pool. But I was just – I was like – I danced that baby out. Like I've never moved like that in my life. And I remember thinking this is the only thing – I know how to do to get him out. And it's funny because I've had friends go to hospitals and be told they have to lie down on their back or they have to be on their hands and knees. And I'm like, I would have been screwed if someone had been telling me how to position myself because there was no right way. Like I just had to constantly be like shifting and maneuvering. And yeah, it was a really um, challenging physically. (laughs) Like I remember feeling like my thighs were burning and I was like trying to work out how to get, this baby to move um and yeah it was really you know now I look back again and I think I was in like a lot of a a story around yeah like how you know I have to move the baby instead of actually like letting the baby move which you know anyway things you learn afterwards (laughs) but um I think my favorite place was like we had just renovated our beautiful bathroom and I was like that's where I'm gonna like go if I need to be in the shower and the toilet or whatever and I remember being like I want to be in our like shed toilet which is like really narrow so that I could push my arms against it and like squat over the toilet and like push because that was one of the only places I felt like I could really get a bearing on this baby's head um, anyway, so Mace kept having to take me there and then I'd hate it and I'd want to go back to the pool. And he's, you know, he's like, I'm chasing you around. You've got this head between your legs, like water, 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 water. He's like trying to catch me and I keep changing my mind. Anyway, he was amazing. He just kept, he's like, whatever you want to do. Like, yep, yep, yep. And then at one point I was like, I'm just going to stay here and have the baby. And he was like, okay. Um, and then, yeah, I remember looking at him. The only time anything came up was when I, um, there was something that happened in Aya's birth where the midwife suggested my cervix might not be open, which is why she wanted to look inside of me. And I remember saying to him, what if my cervix doesn't open? And he was like, do you really think that's a reality? And I was like, no. And he was like, okay. So we just keep going. I'm like, okay. And so that was the only time I remember feeling any doubt. Um, but I will say I was really relieved when I felt the sack like come through my body, like when I could feel through the cervix, this like bulge of, of um membranes I was like okay that's good because yeah I think when there's no measuring (laughs) and it's just you you're sort of like oh am I doing it right Mm. um but yeah and I I just remember once I felt that membrane I think I switched into that gear of like the baby will birth itself now like and it was less effortful like I still it was still effort but um yeah it was way more uh in flow with the whole thing and that I just all I remember was um Mason saying we need to go and wake Aya up because she wanted to be there for the birth and I was like yeah like it's now again I don't know how I knew that but it just felt like that and so he ran out and got her and brought her back in to watch like that part and I just remember her sitting as 
far away from me as she could. She was like, no, going over there. And um, yeah, she was kind of like spun out by that. And, you know, she's been woken up. It's like four in the morning. She's like my mum's, you know, making noises and growling. And I thought I was shouting, but I wasn't. Apparently I was like, <laughs> you know, like that really deep. But I was felt like I was screaming. But no, apparently not. Um, and she said that I sounded like a lion or something. So she was a bit scared. Um, and yeah, so then he, he came out and so this is so funny because I was quite tired and I said to Mace, like, you go behind me and I'll squat and you catch him. I didn't know it was him, but you know, you catch the baby. Um, so Mace got in the pool with me and I turned around and I, um, I remember I, so with Aya, I'd had a tiny little tear, which I was super worried about before, but once it happened, I was like, oh, it's not even a big deal. Um, but I really wanted to go slowly for the birthing of him. So I held him there and kind of let everything open and then I let him out. Um, and my husband caught him and I, like there was a lot of splashing and like noise and like <laughs> like a bit of like swearing. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I turned around. And Mace is like, yeah, the cord around his neck and he was back to – I mean, I don't think he told me he was back to front at that point, but he's like, the cord around his neck and he's gone bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> he's oh. come out and <laughs> like unwound. And he was like, it was really slippery and I had to catch him. And anyway, and I was like, oh, my God, is he all right? And, <laughs> and anyway, and I was like, it's the Mario girl. It's the Mario girl. It's the Mario girl. It's the Mario girl. Is it boy? I'm like, I don't know. Is it a boy or a girl? It a boy? I'm like, oh my God. Hold on a second. It's a boy or a girl? I'm like, oh. So we sort of check. It's a boy. It's a boy. Okay. Oh, what's he doing? Oh, shh, just calm down. Okay. And I'm like, and I'm looking at this thing and he's like really floppy and blue. And he's, um, yeah, just didn't look. Like again, I looked mm. perfect and like awake and present. And he was not present. He was asleep, which I don't know. Like I tried to Google <laughs> sleeping babies and it comes up with stillbirth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if this is even a thing. I've been told like verbally by some midwives that it is a thing that some babies are born sleeping, but I don't know. He was completely asleep, not breathing, just there. And we were both like, oh. And I just remember sitting there with Mace. And so I'm at this stage, I've gotten, no, I'm still in the pool. I've got membranes because his membranes just burst as he emerged. Membranes hanging out of me. He had a really short cord, so I'm holding him quite close and he's completely floppy and I is still yelling stuff um, and Mace is trying to pick the membranes out of my, like, crutch and I'm like, stop that. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm just going to get out of the pool. So I'm like stepping out of the pool and I'm still holding him and I was sort of like, I felt really calm. I didn't feel really worried but I was a little bit like, oh, you know, is he going to, like, go pink and, like, what's happening? Is he going to breathe? And... Um, and yeah, he just kind of step, kept lying there and I was like looking in his nose, trying to see if he had anything in there and I couldn't, there was like nothing sort of seemed to be going on. Um, so I just, I don't know, we just kind of sat there and it's hard, to, like it felt like forever in my time there, but um, it probably wasn't very long. We do have a video that I've never watched, um, not because I don't want to, just because it's never, never had the time, <laughs> feels like. Um, but yeah, I kind of, I started to like just rub him and like talk to him and I was like, you know, kind of kissing him and um, he did a massive poo in my hand and then like took a breath and then I was like, oh, okay, well, he's alive. And then, yeah, so I'm sitting there covered in meconium, holding this like baby and he's started to breathe but his breath was a little bit funny and I was like, oh, okay, and not sure. And I had gone straight on the boobs. So I was kind of thinking like maybe to put him on the boobs, I'm putting him there and he didn't really want that. So, um, yeah. And then he started to breathe a bit more like normally. And, 
and sort of started to pink up and stuff. And I thought, okay, he seems all right. He had a massive dent though in his forehead. So I was like, oh God, I hope his little head's all right. Um, and yes, yeah, so we just moved over to the bed and I birthed Aya lying, birthed Aya's placenta lying down. So I knew I would probably do the same with Leo if I could. Um, so I lay down with that um, sort of pad thing on the bed just to catch the blood. And we just was like holding him and he didn't want to feed. So um, I ended up leaving him. No, so I, I waited for the placenta to birth, which was really quick. I feel like both of mine were under maybe 20 minutes really fast. Mm. Um, and then he still didn't want to feed. So we left the placenta attached to him and I went and washed because I was just covered in meconium and blood and like stuff. So I went and actually had a shower straight away at that time, which I didn't with Aya. I stayed with her for a lot longer. But my husband had him like on his chest and Mace was so stoked because he was like, I got those like first cuddles. And, like, he was just, it was just, <laughs> I was like, oh, and he still talks about it all the time. He's like, yeah, like Leo just lay on my chest. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> you're his dad. But yeah, it was super cute. So I came out and Mace has got like the placenta next to him in a bowl and this little like baby on him and he's like all snuggled up. And, and so it was dawn. It was just so beautiful because like I'd always wanted to have a night labour and then like a dawn, mm. you know, and it was just like the sun was coming in and. I wanted to go and tell everybody on the street. And I was like, it's like five in the morning or six in the morning. Let's just wait. And um, yeah, and then he finally did wake up properly and he had some milk and and um, and yeah, from there we were like super relaxed. His dent started going away and <laughs> I was like, he's going to be okay. But I did end up taking him to osteo um, or cranio osteo quite a few times and he had compressed ribs, especially around his stomach area and he had a really big dent in his head, which the um, craniosteo worked out a couple of, like we did a few sessions quite close together and he had, Leo had like colic, what well, we know what the internet told me was colic anyway. So we never saw anyone except for the craniosteo for it. But um, as in he would like drink to sort of, I guess his capacity and then he would vomit or he'd get really bad gas and these kinds of things. And um, yeah, my instinct was just like he just had because of his positioning, he was getting smushed, you know, and mm. like all of his, you know, architecture was getting pushed together. And I've studied fascia and stuff, so I was like, I feel like he's got some fascial stuff going on. And and he had this tiny little like dent just above his ribs on his um, stomach side. And so I was like, I just, you know, it was just my instinct. So anyway, we started doing that, and that worked. Like that stopped, but it took a few sessions to get there. So I just, if anyone's listening and your baby's exhibiting colic which is such a mysterious thing and like they I don't know I was like looking at what they said on the internet for it and it's like you know baby drops and like herbs and all these the, I think colic is now just like your your child can be diagnosed with colic for crying if, oh, you're, if your baby cries any crying. yeah just like it like just more crying than yeah. what you would deem usual it's colic now so yeah it's I don't know but yeah well like I just you know to me like you're going through this extreme and beautiful process of being born like your physiology is being affected by the shape of the birth canal and you know I was doing a lot of crazy moves so maybe he was getting like moved around a lot and I'm just like yeah like I feel like that makes a lot of sense to me that he would need Mm. maybe some structural support and we gave we got Aya that as well even though she wasn't um you know something wrong per se and even with her like I still remember and I actually have had it as an adult and like had stuff from my birth, like be unwound that, you know, I had some stuff going on with my jaw and that was all to do with like how I'd been born. So, you know, I just think like, why wouldn't we give our kids these treatments and like support mm. them? And again, like we had the resources this time to come regularly. I only had it a couple of times. I remember. Um, 
But yeah, and then postpartum with Leo was really, um, again, quite easy. Like I just, I it was winter, so I was so in the confinement vibe. Like I just was so happy to stay home. I ate heaps of mushy, warm, delicious things and did a lot of like steaming, which I'd done with Ira as well, like Yoni steams, um, a lot of hot like sits baths or not sits baths so much, but like this is a, something I learned from Chinese medicine where you do the hot water up to your navel depth and you sit in it till you break a sweat on your forehead and then you come out. So it can take about 20 minutes to break, but it's like just builds all the yang back into these lower parts of the body. And if you have like uterine issues and stuff, it can really help. Um, like if you, and even if you like have menstrual issues and stuff, didn't really have any heavy bleeding or anything like I, well, yeah, I just bled as much as I think I bled with Aya. So, and we did the placenta again. So a lot of the postpartum care, um, was very similar in terms of like the energetic stuff I did and the yogic practices, which again, I'm very gentle when I'm postpartum, like I'm not doing any standing poses and it's all like on the floor, like mostly sort of yin style, but not holding them as long. Um, breathing exercises, again, very gentle ones. So yeah, it just felt like really resourced and the biggest thing was probably time just having another kid, like mm. with, you know, um, wanting to spend time with Aya and, and she adjusted really well, which was great to having a little brother. But um, yeah, I was super conscious that, yeah, not all kids do. <laughs> so that can be really challenging for mums. But yeah, I felt like there was such an easy um, transition and he just felt like such a part of our family. Um, but yeah, I felt like our you know, even co-sleeping with him is so different. Like Aya was like, we, we slept with her till she was three. Like it was so nice. And she, we only, she only left cause she wanted to. <laughs> we were like, no. Whereas with Leo, it's not been as like smooth and amazing. Like he's just, he's not, I don't know. He's way more like he'll feed 20 times a night if my boobs are near him, but he won't if I'm not there. So my husband tends to co-sleep with him and he's just more yeah like he's more of a boy he like headbutts me and he bites me and he's like oh don't they throw their bodies around so yeah. much more like like my girls are just so careful with the way they place their bodies but my boys would just like smash you in the face with their head and be like oh sorry yeah like, not even sorry it's like, yeah, no. keep going yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so i've funny. just found it really different with him um like we're still it's have you found that, that connection that you had with Aya, have you found it since having Leo? Yeah, I feel like he and I have though like an easy – he's such an interesting boy because we're – in human design we're the same, whereas I as a projector, so I'm a manifesting generator. So he and my energy match really well, whereas I as and mine actually don't. Like we kind of, yeah, like obviously trigger each other because we're mother and daughter. But, yeah, like there's a lot of – like even just how what she needs versus what I need are really different in terms of our energetics. Whereas Leo and I are very similar, and he's got a really easygoing personality. Like he's the cruisiest. I can guy. test to that. Yeah, like he's just <laughs> such a chiller, and he's so, um, yeah, like he's just really goes with the flow. Like he's quite stubborn, and like if he wants something, he'll you know, meh. especially now he's just you know one and a half ish, so he's going through the learning to say no and stuff but mm. yeah in general he's very easy so I actually feel like he and I have more of an ease about our relationship that's less complicated I think which I really I'm really enjoying and I just love him in this really different way which yeah like I love them both in a like I'm gonna die away but <laughs> yeah it's just this really soft he's like a soft masculine energy whereas my daughter's full of fire like he's actually more fire as well which is weird but she's just a really fiery strong you know and also shy and has all these like interesting kind of like dynamics to her where she she goes she changes all the time he's very steady so and he did this like 
12-month shamanic woman craft course with me from six <laughs> weeks of age. Like, so that's what I was going to say. My postpartum was all like confinement, confinement, women craft course. You know, it was pretty nuts. Um, but yeah, like he held 60 women, like he was in this circle with 60 women going through process and going through their stories and like hearing stories and hearing birth stories and hearing, you know, like, and I just think like, and he has catalyzed in me like the biggest self-awareness and the biggest, like, I feel like I've changed so much in the last like 12 months, which I'm like, I really think, yeah, there's something about his energy that, and I almost think that he, that lack of connection was almost I had to trust more than I had more than with Aya like with Aya it was easy like as in I didn't really need to work on having the faith in the process because it was I was so present for me I was like how could you ever not you know feel your baby and know this whereas with him it was like you have to trust yourself in a way that you know and that's what Jane says a lot she's like you know the birth you have with the child is the um, way you're going to need to raise that kid and like yeah I have a feeling that he's going to challenge me in really big ways, but I'm also going to, you know, that inner trust and like not needing that feedback from the outside and not needing that sort of validation and that sort of magical experience, just being like, no, these are the, you know, this is it and you know what to do and you, you know, you've got this as a mother. Like that's what I feel he's given me. Oh, um, it's so amazing. Yeah. So cool. um, we're going to wrap up there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like we any just questions? keep going. <laughs> That's all right. We could keep going, ramble, but I ramble. think still there's so much valuable information in there for so for everyone. I think birth stories are very, very, very valuable, mm. and I'll say it every time we have people on for birth stories. Um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. It feels <laughs> crazy just to sit here and talk about <laughs> my children. Yeah. But yeah, oh, but it's so good and it's so necessary. I think you mm. could, like whether you are going to have babies having babies done having babies yeah. it's still so valuable because forever people will be having babies <laughs> it's information that you can take into the world and it's information that we've not got not been given growing up so to get more and more information about trust in the body and mm. in yeah. natural processes and yeah it's well and just feel like even if you go and build a creative project like you're probably going to see the patterns playing out that you would bring to birth or you would bring like to any other sort of big experience or initiation so I think it's so helpful to hear like how other people navigate it and I that's I mean I chose free birth through experiencing you know friends and people I don't know sharing their stories and and just that sort of reframe of like oh it's possible for other people. Why wouldn't it be possible for me? You know, mm. I think that's a really powerful thing. So, yeah, and we, we are very dependent on a lot of external sort of systems. And it's like, to me, it's always about like choice. Like, do I want to engage with that system or not? And, and, and yeah, having that sort of capacity to, yeah, I just think it comes down to choice. Like if you feel like it's not a medical event, then don't go and be in a hospital. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But anyway. All right. Well, thanks for coming in. Thanks Tiny. for having me. And we'll, we'll have you in again. 100%. <laughs> Everyone, just so you know. Monthly <laughs> subscription. Yeah. <for> you, Tani. <laughs> we'll call it the Tani series. Yeah. <laughs> That's See you, everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Road to Wisdom podcast. To join the journey, you can follow us on Instagram at theroadtowisdom.podcast and at 
www.theroadtowisdompodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We look forward to seeing you next week with more juicy content.